You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Yahoo discloses a record-setting breach. Over a billion customer accounts are affected. Microsoft reports finding thin fissure-like spyware in the wild. U.S. investigation of Russian election hacking continues. The case for and against Fancy Bear is being made by observers, but the intelligence community says it will keep its conclusions to itself until the investigation is complete. Threat Connect describes fake divism, and the shadow brokers are back, and their broken English hasn't gotten more convincing. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, December 15th, 2016. Late yesterday, Yahoo disclosed that the company was breached in August 2013, with more than a billion customer accounts compromised. This incident is said to be distinct from the breach disclosed in September of this year, and that earlier breach affected 500 million customers. Quote, the stolen user account information may have included names, email addresses, telephone numbers, dates of birth, hashed passwords using MD5, and in some cases encrypted or unencrypted security questions and answers, end quote. That's the official statement from Yahoo. This incident is regarded as being the largest breach on record in terms of the number of individuals affected. The company's investigation concluded that an unauthorized third party in August 2013 stole data associated with more than one billion user accounts. The company has not been able to identify the intrusion associated with the theft, but believes this incident is distinct from the one the company disclosed on September 22nd of this year. Yahoo also reports that an unauthorized third party accessed Yahoo proprietary code to forge cookies, and that this third party seems to be connected to the unnamed state-sponsored actor Yahoo believes is responsible for the breach, the company reported in September. The company doesn't know how the breach was accomplished, but does believe the culprits were state-sponsored. Who that sponsoring state might be remains unspecified. Other observers who've looked into the matter, notably the security firm InfoArmor, which investigated the earlier breach, take issue with that conclusion, saying the breaches look like the work of criminals, albeit criminals who may have had nation-states among their customers. Yahoo says it's working with appropriate law enforcement agencies and that it's notifying affected customers. Observers expect this latest breach disclosure to affect Verizon's planned acquisition of Yahoo's core assets. Security industry experts have weighed in with their views on what happened and how such attacks might be prevented or mitigated. We'll talk a bit later with the CyberWire's editor, John Petrick, who will give us an overview of some of these reactions. 
Microsoft reports finding Finn Fisher-like spyware in APTs on European and Turkish systems. Finn Fisher is a controversial lawful intercept tool that's been connected with surveillance by various repressive regimes. U.S. investigation of Russian election hacking continues. The Department of Homeland Security says the vote wasn't manipulated, and many observers has read this as contradicting assertions by the CIA that Russian operators did indeed seek to influence the election. In fact, however, they're talking about two different kinds of hacking. Homeland Security is saying that the vote count itself wasn't interfered with, that there's no evidence that voting machines or vote tallying were compromised. The CIA's claims refer to the doxing that released various discreditable emails from senior figures in the Democratic Party and the Clinton campaign. This was election hacking, if you will, but hacking in the service of influence operations, not vote fraud. The intelligence community is investigating this apparent Russian activity and says it will have little further comment until the investigation is complete. The Intercept has a useful skeptical rundown of the case against the Russian intelligence services. They acknowledge that there's plenty of circumstantial evidence that Cozy Bear and Fancy Bear indeed took an interest in the U.S. presidential election, but they argue that such evidence would fall short of what an indictment would require. The threat intelligence firm ThreatConnect offers an account of how influence operations are likely to work in practice. Such operations commonly involve false flags and front identities long familiar in covert operations. ThreatConnect has concluded that Fancy Bear, the Russian intelligence agency known as the GRU, uses these fake-divist fronts in its work. Cyber Caliphate, fake ISIS sympathizers, Cyber Berkut, fake Russian sympathizing Ukrainian separatists, Guccifer 2.0, a bogus homage to the well-known Romanian hackers, DC Leaks, a phony WikiLeaks subproject, and Anne Poland, which purports to represent the Polish branch of the anonymous collective. The shadow brokers, the hacktivists or faketivists, you can take your pick since there seems something fishy about them, however you cut it, who've been trying since this summer to auction out what they claim plausibly to be equation group attack code resurfaced this week. They're reconsidering their sales model, giving up on the auction and returning to retail. A site has come to light that's now offering equation group tools for sale to all comers. No word yet on how sales are going. Part of what renders the Shadow Broker's story less than fully convincing is the screenwriter's broken English they affect in their communiques. They're again chatting with Motherboard and still sounding like the syllable-chewing crocodiles in the Pearls Before Swine comic strip. Here's a sample in which they sort of explain what they're up to. Quote, The Shadow Brokers is not being irresponsible criminals. The Shadow Brokers is opportunists. The Shadow Brokers is giving responsible parties opportunity to making things right. They choosing no, not very responsible parties. The Shadow Brokers is deserving reward for taking risks, so ask for money. Risk is not being free. Behavior is obfuscation, no deception. End quote. So take that NSA, or whoever the responsible parties are. Oh, and one more thing, as Columbo would have put it, the Shadow Brokers is not commenting on operation details. Is bad OPSEC. Words to live by, kids. We'd never be in favor of bad OPSEC unless, of course, you're a bad guy. In that case, be as sloppy as you want to be. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. 
Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is John Petrick. He's the editor of the CyberWire. Uh, John, we've received a lot of commentary from people around the cybersecurity industry on this Yahoo breach. Give us a rundown. What are people saying about it? Yeah, we have heard a lot. I think uh, we'll start with what Yahoo itself has said. And their statement is worth quoting at a, at a little bit of length. Uh, Yahoo said late yesterday, uh, quote, for potentially affected accounts, the stolen user account information may have included names, email addresses, telephone numbers, dates of birth, hashed passwords using MD5, and in some cases encrypted or unencrypted security questions and answers. The investigation indicates that the stolen information did not include passwords in clear text, payment card data, or bank account information. Payment card data and bank account information are not stored in the system that the company believes was affected. The revelation that perhaps uh, security questions were breached, um, that's of particular interest. It, it is interesting. For example, we heard from StealthBets Technologies, who pointed out that uh, these kinds of questions tend to get used for multiple sites. And in fact, the information that is embodied in the questions and their answers is difficult to change. Uh, assuming that you're telling the truth in answer to these questions, you're never going to have a different kindergarten teacher. You're never, your first pet is never going to have a different name. He's always going to be Rover. Mm -hmm. uh, the first car you owned is not going to change. So a number of people are saying that, that they think that uh, this is another reason to move away from the password security question system towards forms of multi-factor authentication that need to be more widely adopted. That's the kind of feedback we're hearing on that. And what about attri attribution? What are people saying, uh, you know, in, in this case, who done it? Well, that's interesting. Yahoo is talking a lot, and they have been talking a lot about state-sponsored actors without specifying the state uh, who did it. So, you know, a priori probability says, who are the state-sponsored actors who do this kind of thing? Well, you know, everybody's going to assume Russia, China, North Korea. 
but it's not clear that that's really the case, that uh, InfoArmor, who investigated at some length the earlier breach that Yahoo acknowledged back in September of this year, told us that, uh, well, that's Yahoo's theory, but they're not convinced that's the case. They thought that the earlier breach was committed by a criminal group, and uh, they're calling it Group E. They say they're Eastern European black hats, so think a, a kind of cyber mob. And they're stealing it for all the kinds of reasons that criminals steal these kinds of credentials. They do say, Informer does say, that the Group E may well have customers who include nation states, but that they think the actual hacking was done by this criminal group, was probably done by this criminal group. And remember that attribution is always circumstantial. So this is all to be taken with, uh, with an appropriate degree of skepticism. But they do seem to have a point about that. There's some gray areas in the distinction between criminal groups and state actors. Mm. Uh, last year at uh, the Johns Hopkins um, Senior Executive Cybersecurity Conference, we heard uh, the U.S. Cyber Defense Advisor to NATO, Curtis Levinson, talk about this very thing. And people were asking him, well, you talk about Russian hacking, Russian activity. Isn't this, uh, how much of this is the Russian government? And how much of this is criminal mobs? And you know, he went on at some length and clearly enjoyed doing so to talk about Russia being a criminal nation. You know, he said, uh, Tsar Putin is kept in power by criminals, is how he put it. So his point is that the Russian government frequently does make use of and tolerates criminal hacking activity because they can exploit this for intelligence purposes. So the distinction between criminal gang and state actor may not necessarily be all that clear. So in terms of recommendations, if you are someone who had a Yahoo account, what are people saying you should do? Well, we heard a, we got a list of uh, things to do, a, a to-do list from Wind Patrol. They said, before you delete the account, delete all emails and folders, enter invalid information for security questions, mm. then delete the account. And they told us they recommend that because they found that when you remove accounts, They've sometimes seen that they're truly not deactivated, and this may be why there were as many as a billion accounts that were compromised. They also say, obviously, if you've used the same password on any other site, change it. Don't reuse Yahoo passwords. If you've used security questions, the same security questions on other sites, change the answers. Never reuse the answer to a security question. If or when the next hack occurs, you don't want your answers to be used against you. If you associate your mobile phone number with your Yahoo account, uh, Wind Patrol says beware. You may become a target of smishes, those mobile phishing attacks we hear about. They recommend that you ensure your security software is up to date and capable of blocking attacks. So it's the good common digital hygiene advice that we hear so often from people. All right, John Petrick, editor of the CyberWire. Thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber.
And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back.